0: This episode is meant for anyone, mamas especially, experiencing emotional overwhelm or feeling like they're at a place in their life where they're going through a huge transition and they feel stuck. I go into some of the personal details of my own story, which includes the story of my decision to separate from my husband in 2023. It's definitely really personal sharing this part of my life, but my hope is that it can help other moms that are also either having relationship problems or are in a similar state where they're so emotionally overwhelmed that they feel like a big change needs to happen, whatever it may be. This is Raising Mama, a hilariously honest podcast dedicated to unveiling the hidden
1: realities of motherhood. Our goal is to arm you with the information and tools you need to be your most confident and empowered self. This podcast is
0: packed with unfiltered testimonies, diverse perspectives, and expert opinions, along
1: with a good dose of laughter and tears. Leading you on this journey is my best friend, Megan Stander, who is a CEO Passionate maternal health advocate and mom of two daughters.
0: Alongside me is my best friend Chelsea Ledson, who is a mother, wife, and registered nurse with her master's specializing in women's health. Let's try to raise the next generation by raising up mamas and maybe raising a little
1: hell. Hey y'all! Hey mamas! Welcome hey, back, guys. Mama. Today I'm interviewing and talking to my lovely, lovely, lovely co-host Megan and we're going to go into a little bit more of a serious topic today. Megan is so kind to kind of share with us her transformative journey of motherhood and how she used a homeopath and emotional guide to support her through this journey. So we're going to be talking about emotional overwhelm and just generally like Megan's transformative experience of motherhood. So it's always tough to tell our personal experiences, but we hope that by sharing the real truth from us that it can maybe help some of you mamas out there who could be going through some of the same stuff. Motherhood is a hell of a ride, but we don't have to go through it alone. So buckle in and let's get right to it. You ready, Megan? I'm ready. I'm excited and scared.
0: This is going to be an intense one for me because, you know, I've been through a lot in the last four years, which is how old my eldest is. It's been crazy. It's been a journey, lots of big, heavy topics, but I feel like I'm in a safe space and you're my best friend and i think that my story can be helpful to other moms that might be going through the same thing. So, i'm going to do it. I'm going to share it. You're going to learn all about me, the depths of my soul. We're going to get into it and um let's begin. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like disclaimer, this episode is definitely about emotional overwhelm and emotional healing and transformation, but the kind of overwhelm that we're talking about here is not just the day to day emotional overwhelm that I think we all experience as moms
1: how for you did you think like okay is this normal new momminess or okay no this is maybe more than what's manageable like what made you maybe seek help or realize for yourself like this is not okay yeah how what
0: what's the what's the breaking point here i mean that's a good question because that i think is the reason why navigating this is so difficult because it all blends together. So it is tough. That realization was hard for me. It took me a couple mm. years to to put the pieces together. And that was in relation to my personal circumstances as well. But I mean, everybody has their own like breaking points, right? So there is like the stresses of taking care of babies and toddlers. There is like our own personalities that we bring to the equation. Like some of us are more prone to anxiety, um, which is a big aspect of emotional overwhelm because it can lead to, you know, irritability and stress. I think a lot more for people that are not prone to anxiety. I think that there's a level of like depression that's pretty normal, quote unquote, for new motherhood. Um, but then it like, at what point is it too, too much? And I think like, for me, my gauges are all are usually like, how is this affecting my ability to work? How is it affecting my ability to take care of my kids? How is it affecting my relationships? and like how is it affecting like my vision for myself for my future and it just started getting to a point where it was becoming more and more toxic but i had to i had to unpack the layers to get there so like the first question i sort of had to ask myself is like what am i even feeling right now. I think that my coping mechanism for emotional overwhelm was like just becoming sort of like flat emotionally. Like my body was telling me this is too much for you and you just need to like turn it off at this mm. point. It if you're going to go me. yeah, like if you're going to go and feel all of these emotions to the extent that's healthy, relative to your situation, you will implode. So instead of feeling these emotions, we're just going to shut them off a little bit. And you're almost going to become a little bit numb, Mm. then a lot of bit numb, then a little bit dissociated, then a lot of bit dissociated. Mm. And so I was left in a state where I was so numb and so disassociated from this emotional overwhelm that I was just confused. Like I was Mm -hmm. just like, what? I know I'm not happy. If someone were to ask me basic questions, like, are you happy in your relationship? Are you happy in your life? I wouldn't really know how to answer them because if I looked at the evidence, like I've got two great kids, I have a comfortable life, my house is nice, I can afford anything that I want to afford. I have good friends. If you if you answer those questions, you know, I have a good job. My answer would be yes, like yeah, everything's great, right? But then it's like why do I feel so empty? You know, why mm-hmm. do I feel like I'm just like a robot? And so for me, that's how I knew and I didn't even understand that I was experiencing emotional overwhelm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that a few years prior, I was like on the up, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed. And then I just kind of like started dipping and then I just sort of like flatlined um, because that was how my body decided or my brain (laughs) decided like to manage it. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I started to unpack like why I was so confused about my life, I started realizing that all of it was just too much for me.
1: And by it, you know, we'll get into that, but. (laughs) That's interesting. It's funny from a nursing perspective, it sounds like, you know, we call it emotional fatigue, right? Like going in, working with the same cancer patients over and over death, all these things. And it's true. It's like, you don't necessarily notice it. Like you'll notice like you're wound up and then it's like, Boom. Sometimes people just need to take a serious break from their job or whatever, you know. And Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like there's this big moment where you like freak out or something. It's almost like this silent um, journey. But I guess what I'm so curious about is when you like, I don't. It's so challenging that if you're in that dissociative state, like how do you make the first steps to even move forward and like introspect? Like how did you? find out this out about yourself if you were so in a disconnected space to begin with?
0: I think it it was, it was my decision to like explore it was related to the fact that I felt a responsibility to my children to, to, to make sure that I, I, I did feel like it was affecting my ability to mother. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're kind of flat and if, you know, I did, I did experience like Many moments of intense irritability, and I wasn't always able to handle situations in the right way. And then I'd have to repair, um, like I would, you know, yell at my kids, and then have to be like, um, you know, I'm sorry, it was not okay for mommy to yell at you, um, you know. And and like, you know, it, it's not like it happened every day or anything, but like once a month, and for me that was like too much. So I was like something's going on. Um, And then just in general, like I was putting the pieces together, you know, Mm. because when you mother and when you parent, you know, once your kids can start, you know, they enter the toddler phase, like, I'd say like around like 18 months, age two ish, you start to parent and then you start kind of thinking back about your childhood a little bit. Mm. And that that will turn a little light bulb on because you're like, huh, like, hmm. Maybe that's why I'm so
1: fucked up, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you see a therapist? Like, what, did you have? help? Yeah.
0: yeah. So that's okay. that's kind of what I did. I I I went to a therapist, and I've been in therapy on and off my whole life. So like that was a tool. And to be honest with you, my first therapist that I went to after becoming a mom was not as helpful as my second therapist but my first mm. therapist definitely your therapy that it's it happens in layers you have to unpeel the first layer and then you get to the second and the third and the whatever so it took me like two to three years of therapy to really figure out like what
1: the f was going on so what like give us some nuggets like what personal things did you find out through therapy that kind of helped you realize how you got to the disassociated Mm -hmm. emotional overwhelm state?
0: Well, two things. Um, Actually, there's like many things. But it was when I started talking about my childhood. So for one, and whenever, you know, whenever we talk about our parents, I just kind of want to put a disclaimer out there. It's never a witch hunt, like against your parents. Like, I love my parents unconditionally. They were Great parents, you know, overall, and they made mistakes and they're a product of their environments and their childhood. So, like, I am by no means like complaining about them, but like, Mm -hmm. every parent is a human. I'm a human. My kid's going to be talking about me later. So, we're just talking facts here. So, Mm -hmm. but like, my dad was pretty critical, I'd say. And so, I think that that affected my self confidence and i i i made the connection between having a dad that was fairly critical you know lecturing and that was because he had a lot of anxiety he you know has an anxiety disorder so when he got overwhelmed with anxiety he would criticize not always in like a mean way but it was like he wanted us to do something the right way and when we did something wrong we would you know he we would hear about it like too much and so I I made the connection between criticism and shame so that was a big insight for me is that I I carry I carry a lot of shame and that's like a whole other conversation because when you think traditionally about shame like it's not actually it's it surfaces in ways that you wouldn't expect it to um But then also my mom, so I moved to the States when I was seven from South Africa, and that was a really difficult transition for my parents, slightly less so for me, but because it was so difficult for my, for my parents, especially my mom, um, she suffered from depression and I basically was young. I was, I was young. And so instead of recognizing that, like, you know, she's the parent and I need not be the caretaker. I was like, I depended on my mom to take care of me. So if my mom wasn't doing well, I had to make sure she was okay. And so I developed this relationship of caretaker mm. um, and it was not intentional. It was just like, Oh, you know, she's not feeling well. I'm like going to take care of her. But it made me develop some patterns where I just put other people first above myself. So instead Mm -hmm. of thinking in that situation, technically, you know, it's not the child's job to take care of the parent. It's the parent's job to take care of the child. And again, this then it, you know, surf resurfaces in my parenting because while I'm going through my emotional struggles, I have to be careful to not have my children see that and Accidentally become my caretaker. So I was like, shit, I need to get my shit together and make sure that I'm not Mm reestablishing this relationship. So I became very focused on breaking the cycle. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I had to do my
1: own self work. That's an easy task. Um, (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah, well, I'm so proud of you. I mean, it's always so hard to do that really intense kind of like self reflective work. I guess what I'm hearing is it sounds like, on one hand, maybe from patterns of your past, you had this sort of caretaker mentality and then also a little bit of shame from like hyper criticism. Did, so what, what did you, how did that translate into like motherhood or how did that translate into your kids? Like, did you see correlations? Like what, why do you think they were so impactful for your present? Essentially how that led
0: to emotional overwhelm is that I took on too much in my Mm. relationship. So I entered my relationship in a caretaker role, and I had really high standards for myself. And then the other thing, you know, that I I already knew, but it came up in in therapy as well, is that in my family, you know, kind of traditional South African Christian values, um, we weren't super religious, but it was, you know sort of conservative traditional culture and in my house very patriarchal you know my dad worked full-time my mom did 95 percent of the housework she fed my Mm -hmm. dad like every single meal she carried the mental load the physical load and she worked and I knew at the time it was like unfair like I would be like dad like do this do that but like I didn't actually realize how it impacted my own subconscious views of how relationships work and I had been programmed a little bit
1: by mm-hmm. watching
0: that relationship my parent with my parents to think that like this this is what a good wife is. And so mm-hmm. early on in my relationship with my husband um now soon to be ex-husband, dun, 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 um I I set myself up for failure. Like I would clean his house and do his laundry and do all this stuff. And, you know, we're both working full time. So I didn't set those standards um, early on. And I mean, I can't blame us; I was 21, you know, and he was 30 and I was so new. Like I was so just, um, mm-hmm. I was so stoked to have this like charming, handsome, intelligent guy like into me. And mm. I was like prepared to do anything to make him, like, think that I'm friggin' awesome, you mm-hmm. know. Which is normal, but it was based on what I thought was normal from from childhood, and it ended up biting me in the butt. So if you do that for ten years, and then mm. you have kids, and you're working full time, and you carry the mental load, and you do ninety, well, I don't know. He, he's mm-hmm. he's definitely better than my dad. I'll I'll say that, but it was a lot. It was too much. It was way too much. And you reach a breaking point for sure.
1: Wow. Okay. So once you realize that, then what do you do? Like, (laughs) I feel like how do you find solutions to make it better? Or have you found any solutions to make it better? Well, I think, you know, it's tough. I think that
0: women are really faced with some challenges in these situations because, If you were living with like a friend that didn't have any other of their own issues that they were dealing with, you could just simply sit down, have a conversation with them, talk about the balance of tasks and, you know, you guys could make a plan and it could be executed and that would be fine. And if you have a really good partner that uh, is a good communicator and isn't going to get super defensive, and you can break through fairly quickly, you know, you can, if if you've fallen into this trap, like so many women have, then you can kind of communicate your way out of it. And it might Mm. take time, but it will still happen. The thing is, is that uh, this is the tough part, is that, you know, men have also been raised in this culture and childhood and and many of them I mean we have like you know for the most part boomer parents right so many of them have also experienced these scripts normalcies yeah and so but they are on the positive end of it you know Um, so like they're not as aware of it maybe like they don't quite always understand it Because it's like, well, walk a mile in my shoes, but it's like they've never had to. So you're dealing with that. And, you know, a lot of the time it's like, it's like almost not even their fault. I don't want to say that it, there isn't things they can do, they can do. Like, for example, I do not, like, I, I understand to some degree, I understand the difficulties that Um, individuals with disabilities have or individuals that are not cisgendered or like people that adversity. yeah there's there's so many adversities that I myself do not have because I'm I'm privileged but I'm able to by being empathic and understanding the human experience kind of trying I can kind of try and grasp like what that would be like and I'm also interested in grasping what that Mm. would be like. So Mm. I like reading about stuff. I like advocating. I like, I do my best, but like, if you have a partner that's not really interested in the adversities that women face, mm, it can be more challenging. So then if you're, you know, your partner has been, you know, societally and culturally just sort of, um, and accidentally has become a partner where things like aren't really equal. Plus they're not really interested in like adversities that women face. Plus they have their own childhood mm-hmm. trauma that has led to their own coping mechanisms and ways of dealing with conflict. Uh, Things can get sticky. There's a lot mm-hmm. of layers that like you need to break through. And so
1: <laughs> so it sounds like you couldn't quite work it out with your current partner, even though it's like you had this great revelation and it would have been amazing to sort of bring them along with you because it wasn't just like a one-sided thing, right? It was more like you were a bit going off of your scripts, and then when you finally got to a point where you self-reflected, it was like, Oh my gosh, I I want to live my life, not this like scripted life, but just because you choose that doesn't mean your partner, you know, can understand and choose it with you. Um, so ultimately, I mean, would you say that's kind of what led to the separation or, um, I don't know. Is that about right?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I definitely like tried as much as, as, as I could. I mean, relationships are complicated because, Until I sort of realized what was happening with myself, I was doing a lot wrong. So I was so overwhelmed that I almost threw in the towel in some arguments and I didn't handle them the way that I was supposed to. Mm. And then, you know, that can cause resentment and then that can cause someone like it's like if there's not repair after these arguments and after there's there's been dozens if not hundreds of conversations that have just not ended well you know it's tough to like get back to a point where you can effectively move move through the 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 conversation to resolution Mm
1: -hmm. and then
0: if you've had enough conversations where there is no resolution you start kind of feeling like like there's no hope and that further increases your emotional overwhelm, because now you're depressed, right? Mm -hmm. And then it just like, like, there's layers to it. So yes, ultimately, I didn't feel like there was any way to move forward. And then I sat on that for like, Mm. another year and a half. You know, because it was a major decision. And keep in mind, like, I have, like, infants, like, mm-hmm. while all of this is happening. So not only am I, like, you know, financially, emotionally, physically dependent on a spouse, but, like, I'm also, like, wait a second, I thought we were going to be together forever and, like, we'll have holidays mm-hmm. together. And, like, so I had to, I, I before I even separated, I had to grieve the loss of my family and make sure I was really certain that this was going to happen. And there were other factors at play that I I couldn't, I couldn't pull the cord exactly when I wanted to, but it was so difficult because I was so dissociated, so depressed, so confused, so unsure. And like, it was just it was a mess. It was a mess. I waited way too long, but then I also just sometimes things
1: take time to mm-hmm. like figure out. So, what would you say was like the thing that actually made you move forward? Like, was it the therapy? Was it like, I, I don't know, you woke up one day, or what was the catalyst for change? For me, like,
0: I have a very analytical brain. I needed to get from confusion to understanding. Mm. And then once I had understanding, I needed like even more information. I wanted to understand what was happening in my life. And then once I understood what was happening, I kind of continued to live my life through a different lens, you know? Mm. So instead of going through it a little bit more, um, unintentionally and things happening to me, I became more in control because I was aware of what was happening. And then I could kind of almost scientifically experiment with changes that I can make and see if it changes the outcome. And then once I had enough data, I don't know, this is how I work. Once Mm. I had enough data, and I was like, okay, this won't work, this won't work, this won't work, this won't work, I understand what's happening logical next steps.
1: You scientifically methoded yourself. (laughs) You're like, I'm going to have a (laughs) hypothesis and then I'm going to question it. And then I'm going to see the results. But keep in mind, like
0: it was so important for me to make the right decision. Of course, it's heavy. Yeah. yeah, Not only for my own happiness, but like for my children's future. I did not Mm -hmm. want my kids to end up with some of the you know mental health problems that I have. I know not all of them are controllable, but some of them are. I did not want, want them to end up in relationships with dynamics that could potentially lead to divorce. At, what, at whatever stage I wanted them, I wanted to be a good example to them. I wanted them to see me happy. And I also felt like I was young enough. Like, so this, you know, I was 32 when I finally decided to separate. I I also felt like I was young enough that it was a little intense for me to, with all of this data and understanding, just sacrifice my happiness for the next, what, 18 years? Like it was just, and two, I felt like there was a very high probability that it was going to happen anyway, because like, Hmm. how can one human like, go through that much for that long. Like I know, which makes me mind blown at the fact that some humans have many, many people in relationships have been that happy for that unhappy for that long. But I I feel and eh, you know, I'm guessing I don't know what the stats are on this. I feel like only a very, very small percentage of them have gotten through it without substance abuse problems, without other kind of forms of addiction, whether it be like food addiction or God only knows what, like I, 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 I mental breakdowns, like mm-hmm. more serious mental health issues. Like I felt like it was a gamble, a big gamble for my own mental health and for my children's mental health and for our futures to like stay Unless right. something radically changed, but it's like, I also don't have control
1: mm-hmm. over
0: whether or not there will be radical
1: change. The main How- thing is when you ignore a problem, it's not like going away, you know? So that's no. not really a solution to be like, okay, I'm just like, whether or not you did the therapy and the self-healing and the, like the looking into it, all of that was still happening anyway. So it's like, it sounds like it's so much better to take it on and just face it and have a little bit more choice in the matter versus like have it just explode on you.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that isn't to say that like I was, I was with a bad person or anything because I definitely played my part. It's 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 almost not about it's almost like it it stops being a blame game. You know, mm-hmm. it just becomes almost like a, a practical decision. Right. And, you know, it's it, it stops being about love. It stops being about you know, whose fault it is. It just starts being about like problem solving what's going to happen next, but it definitely sucks.
1: Yeah. it sucks. Well, I know, I know because we're going to interview her that you went like, you didn't just use therapist, but use like an emotional guide, which I had never heard about. That's why I was like, Ooh, let's interview her.
0: But I mean,
1: Tell me a little bit more about like that. Like how helpful do you think it, do you think you would have found all this out about yourself and separated if you hadn't reached out to an emotional guide? Mm, No, I think she was
0: pivotal. She was Mm. pivotal because like therapy helped me with like the, the mental aspects and the practical stuff. But I mean, when I saw Maya's ad, it was, it was like a program that she was doing. Um, So she's a, Homeopath and emotional healing guide. And at the time, she was also a breathwork facilitator. And she was my roommate in college. So I didn't just oh, like cool. randomly find her on the internet. But it, the program was called Attune to You. And I was like, huh. Attuned to me. Like, I don't know anything about me at this point. I've spent most of my life like in service of other people. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I want? I'm like, I have no idea. And it was like, are you feeling lost? <laughs> do you feel like You're um, on the edge of a major life transition, but you don't know where to go. Like, it was, like, 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 yes, 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 yes. So, I was, like, all right, I'm going to do it. And, like, um, yeah. And then that was, like, it just propelled me forward, per Mm. se. Because I think it it touched on stuff that was, like, so deep that, like, my therapists didn't even get to it. I remember... Mm the one of the most key things she asked me was did anything like happen in your life like around like sc- like school age like seven eight nine and I was like yeah I moved to the states that was a major thing and I don't know how she pinpointed the age but I think mm-hmm. I was like displaying some emotional traits mm-hmm. of like a child that age or something I don't know yeah. we'll have to ask her she asked me like what I would say to myself if I like encountered myself like mm-hmm. then, and what I would say to myself. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't even really know that I needed this. I mean, there was a whole, there was a whole th- that, that program and what she does was fundamental. I mean, I, in like three weeks, I was like, Whoa,
1: Whoa, I,
0: this is crazy.
1: Well, and I'm sure it was kind of both things, right? You are finally in a space ready to like hear it and delve into it, you know? And then yeah. it was like, boom, you have this perfect person who's like, let's do it. Let me guide you through all this like really intense stuff in a way that I think Western medicine is really limited on this stuff. Like you said, on the surface, it's so easy to just be like, everything's fine. F-I-N-E, fine, you know? And it's just like, it's so hard to put into words, these like, emotions, I suppose, but it's like, it's not fine. You know, like there's some even though it's no one's particular fault, it's like you're, you're wanting a bit more. And certainly I think when you have kids, it's like, they're the catalyst for wanting something better because you want it to be a bit better for them. So I don't know. And I remember you were telling me too, with her, like she gave you like really good, like practical, like exercises to do. And uh, I just remember seeing like, I don't know, your breath work or like grounding yourself. And I don't know, because like you said, I've known you my whole life. So I know you've done therapy (laughs) for (laughs) ever, but um, I definitely noticed like when you were with her, it was like, Oh, we are moving some mountains today. So I think that was a cool thing because most people don't really know that those exist and um, that they can kind of help you get unstuck. So yeah. what a blessing that you had her in your life too.
0: Because like in my case, the emotional overwhelm was tied to the stuff kind of related to my childhood. So the patriarchal stuff that I was kind of like needlessly following kind of always hearing this like voice of criticism in my head. And it, it, it affected my self-confidence in my own decisions. Yeah. And then also being the caregiver of my mom. So all of this stuff basically made me not really like have a strong sense of self, Mm. like in terms of what are my values? What are my wants and needs? What do I want to do? And so it was like, but doing that for like, you know, 10 years in a relationship and become so ingrained and it's so normalized mm-hmm. that you forget how to listen to yourself. And so we would do exercises like, you know, after, after we talked, she would ask me like, what do you want to do after this? And I was like, you know, what do you mean? Like, I'm going to go back to work or like, I'm going to do this. She's like, no, what if you can do anything in the world right now that's, you know, makes sense like obviously I'm not gonna like a uh, fly mm-hmm. off to you know an island within but, like, reason yeah within reason like what do you want to do and I was like I kind of want to go to like target you know <laughs> like it was like totally like like I was so used to being like responsible all the time i was, like no I only have so much time and I have to do this this and this and this and so I started just asking myself that like daily and my homework was to do one thing a day of like something that I wanted to do which was difficult for me you know I was like what like me but that's I started honoring I started honoring that more and listening to that voice about what I wanted
1: mm. it seems so like straightforward but it really wasn't yeah I mean you're getting in touch with yourself and living your life and not living the scripts from your parents or society and like it's really hard like it's something you have to do it makes sense that you're kind of like, I don't know what I want <laughs> because there was so long you were living for someone else. And I guess now I know you're on the other side of it. Um, like your kids live in two different houses, you know, you're separated from the father of your kids and, I definitely know that was not easy. I mean, now that you're kind of on the other side of it, like, how do you feel now? <laughs> was it worth it? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Is there any like... I mean, I, I feel
0: like I feel like myself again. I feel yeah. like I hadn't felt like myself for 10 years. And I feel like myself again. Like, I feel like I have freedom. And, and I'm not even talking about like freedom to go down. Like I'm doing all the same stuff, but I mm-hmm. feel like I have, Freedom of thought, freedom of goals, freedom of like, I just feel like I'm getting to know myself again and like what I, what I like, what I want. Um, I mean, it's been tremendously difficult and, and it stays difficult not being able to see my kids every day because we have them 50 50 for the most part, a little bit heavier on me. It sucks, but there are, there are, there are ways to manage that too, because when we have our kids 24 seven, we're not as engaged with them, because mm. we do take our time with them a little bit for granted, you know, we might be doing other things while they're present, whereas I really try to get everything that I need to get done, done while I'm not with them. So that when I'm with them, I can be that much more focused. And I appreciate their presence so much more. And then you know, I mean, it's, it's affected my career, this whole emotional thing. We haven't even talked about that. I did a complete 180 in terms of career. Mm. Um, I left my job. Uh, You know, it took me a year and a half to physically plan leaving my job. And then it ended up kind of happening for me. (sighs) Um, (laughs) They beat me to it. But but that's fine. You know, Um, and now I'm you know, it's like my whole life is, you know, raising mama this, this podcast and helping other women supporting women because that, that became my, my, that was my true passion. It didn't even become my true passion. It had Mm. always been my true passion, but I, I had the, the freedom finally to like do it. And it's just crazy how in such a short period of time, like how much that has developed. So yeah, like I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I think it's okay to be do to be two things like there's so much duality in all of this like, I am going through an incredibly difficult time of my life. I regularly cry in the shower and have bad moments and bad days and it feels like it's way too much. But I'm also doing
1: amazingly well. Like mm-hmm. in so many ways. Oh, well, dude, what a courageous thing to take that plunge. Cause I know it wasn't, isn't easy. It's kind of crazy. I mean, there really wouldn't be any raising mama if there wasn't this big transformative journey. So it's like, it's crazy how maybe you've, you think, oh, okay, what'll be the consequences of making a life altering change. But then it's like other new things crop up that are, you wouldn't have even expected, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think it's so great that it's like it facilitated your passion to always kind of help women. And you know, it, it is, it is really hard. <laughs> Motherhood is really hard. So it makes total sense that in trying to be more honorable to yourself, instead of working for a car parts, I don't even know exactly what your old <laughs> job
0: it, so was like a male, it was like, it was a male dominated industry. You know, yeah. it was, it had nothing to do
1: with women. I'll just say that. Yeah. So it's like, you got a new, a, you know, separation from, you know, the man you've been with for like 10 years and father of your kid and mm-hmm. had to do a whole career change. And I know you also had to do a big lifestyle change because obviously, you know, money is different and money is different. I will say I'm, definitely
0: privileged in the sense that my parents paid for my college. I got a degree. Part of that was the fact that I lived in a good town because my parents could afford a house there, although we were pretty, pretty poor when we moved to the States. I mean, they had a, you know, but I, I, we, you know, they got the tiniest house in the nicest town. And, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of other things about just what I was given when I was born that, made me able to get to this place. I had a fallback plan and I built the fallback plan before I even got married and I'm really glad I did, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: I I still went into the marriage like fully committed, but I I there were some red flags. Mm. So I I had a fallback plan, so I went moved from my 5 bedroom house to my 2 bedroom house and it's 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 fine, you know it's fine. I don't have a yard, which with two toddlers it's could use a yard, but I'm totally fine like mm-hmm. i I just need a roof over my head and food in my fridge and health care the ability- that's huge the ability to afford mental health care still go to therapy once a week. I think that's. I mean, I can you really complain if you have all oh, yeah. that? Like,
1: no, no, absolutely yeah. not. So yeah. I've got... And how about your kids? Like, I know that was one of the most terrifying aspects of this whole thing was, like, how would this, you know, sort of impact your kids? How, how are they doing?
0: They're okay. I mean, they're two and four. So, and I mean, they were almost, they're two and a half and four now. So they were almost two and three and a half when this happened. So... Um, which was part of the kind of timing of it is that the older they get, the harder it is for them. So I didn't want to wait because school age, it can be even worse. Teenage like, um, Mm -hmm. but they're okay. I mean, I think that the biggest thing is for one, you know, just kind of divorce basics when it comes to children, you love your children more than you hate your partner. I don't hate my partner at all. You need to talk to them. About it in an age appropriate way. You can't just pretend like it's not happening. You need to be honest Mm. with them. And then you need to teach them about how to cope with the emotions and manage them because you're teaching them life skills there too. So, you know, you need to tell them that, like, it's okay that they feel whatever they feel. You know, if they miss the other parent, if they're sad that we're not doing things together as a family, you need to. Remind them lots and lots and lots of times that it's not their fault. And, um, you know, you just need to be consistent uh, in your love for them and supporting them and teaching them about their feelings and do you know, all the stuff that you would usually do. And I think, and um, continue, you know, working on yourself. I've done all of that to my best ability. And I've checked in with people that I know that are, you know, credentialed in early childhood development. I've bought books I've just I've done everything that I that I can and um, behaviorally they they seem they seem okay I think the only thing that kind of bit me in the butt is I felt so bad after it that I became a little bit too permissive (laughs) and so they had a little bit of like a a bratty phase but I like I was like okay I need to make a little more rules now like you can't just give them everything they want. Cause you feel bad. Like that's not going to teach them anything.
1: So. Right. I mean, now it's all in the review mirror, like looking back at it, what would you say were some of the, like, you know, you're, you're, like you said, you're young going off the scripts, but what were the red flags for you or maybe things that like listeners who maybe aren't married yet or about to have kids, like what is it that they could consider to like really evaluate before 10 years later, you know, and everything's, um, they've already had kids and stuff. Like what, what is it that I think maybe women need to know about beforehand? I'll
0: just talk in general. Cause okay. I don't
1: want to like
0: say specifically that my partner didn't have this. I mean, he had some of the things and some of the things he didn't. So I'll just list all the things. I think that what happens during con- conflict resolution is important. How do they take feedback you know even when you're dating like how 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 do they take feedback do they get defensive do they take accountability and granted you know how we give feedback is important but assuming you're giving feedback in a way that's like talking about how you feel and not like pointing fingers like how do they respond to you saying like hey a needs not being met or like hmm I think that we could work on this. Ooh, I definitely think that thinking about what your values are in terms of, maybe not values isn't the right word, but like your own ideologies about stuff. So like for me, I'm definitely leaning on like feminist. And if someone comes from a family that has like a little bit of misogyny in there and that's like normalized, I'm going to be triggered a lot. So unless they can kind of like handle that so that it's not, you know, whether it's their fault or not, if there's misogyny at play and you're like feminist, it's just like (laughs) run, Uh Um, you know, and then there's like, like just basic, I think like just read, read everything about John Gottman And just just think about whether your relationship has those warning signs, and also really make sure that your partner like takes care of you. And the number one question, I'll just like okay, I can boil it down, but like how how does your partner make you feel? Mm -hmm. That was one I never had a good answer to, and I was like, I'm worried about this. (laughs) I'm worried. Okay, so how do they make you feel? Like if you're like really good, that's a good sign. But if you're like Eh, that's like eh, this could this could snowball.
1: This could snowball. <laughs> Got it. So how do they make you feel? How do they manage conflict? Do you guys share the same values? And the secret thing is take some time to know yourself first. Maybe maybe things will be in that relationship you're in. Like maybe if you met your guy at 18 years old, great. But make sure to not be completely just immersed in the mm-hmm each other like try to spend some time to really know thyself because I think that's a a huge part of it as well
0: yeah I mean this this advice this is tricky advice for Mm because it's like is my advice for a 15 year old girl is it some is it my this my advice to somebody that's already engaged or soon to be engaged my Mm -hmm. my advice is going to be totally different or is this my advice to somebody who's currently married like yeah if this is almost the what I just said is like more advice for like a 15 year old girl like it needs to start young you need to for up until like um puberty it's all like modeling like you're programming their brain by modeling in front of them what you want for them mm-hmm. right
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then it's like okay practical application you're now an adolescent you're going to start dating know the warning signs, think about what you want, think about and building self-confidence because self-confidence is key to them making decisions about what's right and wrong for themselves. And then Mm -hmm. level up. I think once they have the self-confidence and once they have the right modeling, then if they get into a relationship, when they're an adult, they're just much better equipped to end it when it needs to be ended. Now, if you're already in a marriage. I mean, that's like, there's just so, there's so many decisions to be made there, but everything starts with self-work. Everything Mm -hmm. starts with working on your own childhood trauma and it doesn't have to be big trauma. It does not have to be, you know, sexual abuse or, or physical abuse. It does not have to be that bad for it to be considered trauma because many, 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 many instances of very mild amounts of trauma can still lead to complex trauma, which can still impact your life significantly. Right. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, the school of greatness guy, I love it. He always says there's big T traumas and little T traumas, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. he's like, people always are like, Oh, it's not a big T trauma. So it doesn't count. And he's like, no, like, yeah, not all traumas are those giant ones that, you know, you think about, but the little T traumas add up and they're worth yeah. paying attention to. And when you're, when you're parenting your
0: children, you're like, huh, my parent did not handle it that way. That was probably a little T trauma, mm-hmm. you know? And then you're like, shoot, how many little T traumas am I creating every day for my mm-hmm. kids? And mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, like, you know,
1: and, and seeing your parents fight is a little T trauma. Mm -hmm. It is. Oh man. I'm just, I'm really grateful that you're sharing this stuff. Cause I think that a lot of women at some extent go through this stuff and maybe a lot of listeners out there are experiencing elements of it in their relationship right now. And I think just the earlier, you know, about it, the faster you tackle it, then it's not going to just grow and grow and grow and explode. So I'm really just grateful that you shared all this stuff with us because got to be said and i was just wondering if there's anything else that you really want to share before we go
0: i would just say that if moms are experiencing emotional overwhelm um or they feel like they're on the edge of like transformation i mean motherhood is an amazing catalyst for change because you're pushed to the brink you are pushed to the brink Because you're handling way more than you were before you had kids and, you know, enter like all kinds of other things that could be happening in your life. And it can feel like so much, but the reality is that healing is possible for anyone, but Mm. it starts with being honest with yourself and being really introspective and I mean, it really does start with looking back to your childhood because you are from age like zero four to twelve, you know like you are being programmed for like the rest of your life, like your brain and what it's learning and like i mean it can lead that like, if you have anxiety or depression or like just anything it can it can it can really affect you, so think back to your childhood. You know, if you can't afford to go to therapy, there are, there are ways like read books, journal, like write stuff down, ask yourself questions and write stuff down. And I think just getting to that place of like understanding and then researching ways to affect change in your relationships like, you know, like the the Gottman Institute's research and methods. There is like so much hope, but it it does Ultimately, in my opinion, true hope comes from what we do, like, for the next generation. And I'm not saying, I'm not telling anyone that they need to stay or, or leave or whatever, depending on what's causing their emotional overwhelm. That's for you personally to decide, but I think that it's important that it doesn't get transferred to our our kids it's it's all inside of you it's all there you are a magical creature you are a magical being capable of so much (laughs) and you know you can do it you can figure it out and you will be okay you will be okay but make sure you have some good friends so call start calling people if you feel like you're gonna need support soon start calling people and put effort into your relationships because you're going to need them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, I love that sentiment and I'm just so happy that you shared with us and I'll see y'all next time. Listeners stay tuned because we're going to be interviewing her emotional guide coach. So a lot more other great nuggets if this is resonating with people at all. Yeah.
0: Can't wait for for the, the chat that we're going to have with Maya um, she is a wizard or a, a witch. I don't know what the appropriate term is, but <laughs> she's amazing and so insightful and so wise mm-hmm. beyond her years. So yeah, tune in.
1: I love Bye, it. All right. Bye. Thank
0: you for tuning in to the Raising Mama podcast. Your presence means a lot, and we hope you found
1: our discussion insightful. To become a part of our community, follow us on Instagram at RaisingMamaPodcast. Explore resources on the Raising Mama Village located at www.raisingmama.com. You're never alone on this motherhood journey.
0: We're here to support you every step of the way.